If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. I hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday. I've got a big Tuesday in front of you, an exciting day. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you know, yesterday's show, hopefully you listened to yesterday's show, and if you didn't, that's okay. You can always catch it by uh, going to theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's theandrewshow.com. And you can see prior episodes there, where to listen, where to enjoy, everything else uh, as well. So go back, listen to yesterday's show if you hadn't, because at the end of yesterday's show, I was covering Mac Brown's interview with the liberal NPR, the taxpayer-funded radio station. And um, Mac Brown, for those of you who don't know, is the outgoing GOP chair. So on Saturday, the Kentucky State GOP uh, elected a new chair to lead the Republican Party here in Kentucky, uh, Robert Benvenuti. Um, we'll see how he ends up and turns out. We'll see if we can maybe get him on the show at some point here uh, and see what his vision is for the Kentucky Republican Party. But Mac Brown, the outgoing chair, was giving an interview. And, and yesterday we covered, you know, he talked about the governor's election. He talked about uh, this division in the Republican Party that he's causing. He didn't say he was causing it, but clearly when we see what he says, we know he's causing it. He talked about uh, how Republicans need to murder babies more often, um, because, you know, if we don't sacrifice children at the political altar, well, you know, one day something might happen decades from now that Republicans won't be in power in Kentucky and, and, and such a ridiculous thing. Cause obviously, you know, and I understand, uh, you, you know, every time Democrats are in power, they govern like there's no concern. They will never not be in power. That's how they govern. Or at least they govern saying, we know we one day won't be in power, so we might as well do what we can here. But apparently when Republicans get into office, they spend their whole entire time fretting about what will happen one day if they're no longer in power. And so they end up being frozen and doing nothing. But that's besides the point. So I want to pick this back up. So he was asked about the culture war issues, and he used that as an opportunity to first talk about uh, why we should be okay with murdering babies as Republicans. Uh, but then when he does finally get around to answering the question they asked about, and he was specifically talking about the, the announcer that was asking about the Republican Party's, um, quote-unquote, attacks on LGBTQ folks, quote-unquote, attacks, you know, basically saying, hey, look, I I don't think, you know, giving drugs to minors and jobbing their genitalia off just because they think they're a different gender is healthy or mental health care. But, um, you know, that's now a tax, having common sense, which which has been how it's always been. You know, people with common sense, having common sense has always been an attack on the liberal mindset, of course. But uh, Mac Brown did answer that question. Former GOP chair, let's listen to what he had to say. To the parenting issue. 
I think a lot of people are, are trying to figure that out right now. The party, as far as I'm concerned, I know this is a very difficult issue to really address, but I will tell you, I've, I've begun to study it. And when I see books, which I bought on the internet that are geared towards three-year-old children talking about woke issues, I got a concern about that. It really was COVID that made a lot of parents begin to find out what was being taught in schools, and they object. There are issues that we still need to figure out, I I will also say, and I'm not sure um, whether the trans issue is one going awry or not. I'm not good enough to say. So that was his response being asked about the LGBTQ issues and the way the guy actually framed up that question when he asked it was he said he talked about, uh, uh, you know, Republicans uh, attacking gender affirming care, gender affirming care. Now, Mac Brown, instead of responding the way that a strong conservative leader should, and this is the entire problem with Mac Brown. This is why the Republican Party was so frustrating to the base. This is why they lost the governorship in, in 2023, because they do not, unless they have a national Republican politician to coattail off of, the Republicans don't know how to say the hard things. Remember, we gained control, we as in Republicans gained control of the state house when Trump was on the ballot because Trump was messaging big important messages, not giving these maybe PMB moderate hoo-ha, no answer answers. And that inspired people to turn out. But rather than taking a page from his book, and we'll go into why, because Mac Brown does talk about Trump here in a bit, rather than taking that page out and saying, hey, let's take a look at this. Instead, these Republicans like Mac Brown say, we still want to take this moderate approach. So rather than saying they're saying, whoa, 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 let's, let's first even talk about your premise of this question here, gender affirming care. Well, the gender they were born is the gender they were born. And a gender-affirming care to me does not mean that if a boy suddenly picks up a Barbie doll, you go ahead and decide you're going to give them drugs and chop their genitalia off. That maybe isn't gender-affirming care. What does what does that even mean? What are you asking? Are you saying that it is somehow mental health care to shove socks down a little girl's pants so she can pretend she's got a quote-unquote bald so she feels more like a man because that's gender-affirming care? to these freako sickos, that's what they're advocating for? Is that what you're saying? But he didn't respond in that way. No, no. A, a clear and concise way that attacks the issue at the very heart. No, no, no. He can't do that. Why? Because he's not really all that conservative. He doesn't actually know what it's like to fight on the front lines of conservatism. He just knows what it's like to fight on the front lines of elections. That's all he cares about. Team Red Shirt versus Blue Shirt, there is no greater belief or conservative values that he's basing his standpoints off of. And then he goes on to say, you know, has Republicans gone too far or not? I don't know. I, I don't really know enough. No, it is never. That's the response. The response should be, have Republicans gone too far? You can never go too far when it comes to defending children against child abuse under no certain circumstance. Should a parent ever be able to abuse their child in this way? 
And regardless of what you may think, I still have common sense and can look at that kind of behavior and say that is child abuse. This isn't about Republicans going too far or not too far. This is about those liberal Democrats wanting to sacrifice children at their altar of wokeness. This guy's on his way out. He's older. Mac Brown's older. He's on his way out. He's not going to run for elective office. It really doesn't matter all that much what the public thinks of him as far as his future prospects go. He could have taken that opportunity, that opportunity to stand up for something and, and say, this is what I believe in. This is what's right. But Mac Brown didn't do that because he's weak. His conservatism is weak. And that becomes more obvious when we hear his response to when he was asked about Trump. But we're going to have to wait till after this break for to hear what Mac Brown outgoing Kentucky GOP chairman had to say about Trump. But before the break, I do want to remind you this Friday, December 15th at 9 a.m. or 9 a.m. at 10 a.m. in the Capitol Annex uh, at the Senate, not Senate, oof, at the Joint Judiciary Committee hearing. They will be having a hearing over CAR, a red flag gun law to allow the uh, seizure of your firearms by the government without you having committed a crime or suspected committing crime or any of those things. There will be a hearing on that. I encourage you, I will be there to show up this Friday at 10 a.m. to make your voice heard, to make sure that all those legislators up there know exactly how you feel on this issue. And I also encourage you to be reaching out to your legislators and contacting them, letting them know how you feel about this. Now, there will be some other things, too, on that bill. As I understand it, uh, Rand Paul, not, yeah, Rand Paul will be there, uh, potentially. He is on the agenda to testify. Um, he won't be testifying about this. There's some other bill. There's three bills getting a hearing during this. So please come and stay and listen to the hearings on all three of them. It'll be about an hour, hour and a half long. But but Rand Paul, Senator Paul, will be there to testify on a different bill. So you'll get to see that, get to maybe meet him too as well. So if you wasn't enough for you to come and defend your Second Amendment rights in Frankfurt, well, you'll get the chance potentially to hear uh, Rand Paul testifying on a bill as well as hear some other important pieces of legislation. Well, you're listening to The Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. We'll be back after this a short break. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Now, I never expect you to always agree with me. And if you did always agree with me every single time I ever said something out of my mouth, well, we should all be concerned because nobody should agree that often. But if you do have questions, you have your own opinions on what I'm talking about, you have something you want to see covered, feel free to reach out to the show by emailing info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. You can also visit theandrewshow.com. We've got a contact form on there. You can just fill that out as well. Now, before the break, we were talking about Mac Brown outgoing Kentucky GOP chair. Uh, he's, he's doing this interview, and in his last question he was asked was about Trump. He was asked uh, uh, about Trump, why he hates Trump so much. Um, let's hear what he has to say. Please correct me if I'm not correctly paraphrasing your comments about former President Trump, but in essence, you were saying we need to move on from President Trump. I did talk about Trump in an interview recently, and I did say we need to move on from President Trump. You got to look to the future, um, not the past. And, and unfortunately, 
chaos follows President Trump. You know, he, he creates it. Um, he It's the style he likes. That this country really has gotten so frustrated. And I believe the president, president sets a tone for a country. And if he's creating the chaos, then other people feel, oh, I can do that too. And I can go scream and yell at somebody. And I can go beat them up. That doesn't work. We got to move forward. We have good candidates out there. And if we do move forward, the party will start winning. And it's not a matter of winning or losing, but it is. We'll move forward with good people. I'm amazed how we've gotten ourselves into this spot. The only reason why we're not out of it is because President Trump is trying to drag us backwards. Comes to the parenting issue. I think a lot of people are are trying to figure that out right now. And and so that was uh, Mac Brown talking there about Trump. And and he said a few things, um, right, that that really bothers me that I want to zero in on. First, he continues to push this idea, this idea that's pushed out there by liberal media as well, that chaos follows Trump around, that, that he creates chaos. Right. And and I got to tell Mac Brown, you know, any single effective Republican in office will be perceived as chaotic by the liberal media because they, of course, will say he's chaotic. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's crazy. He's whatever, because they want to castigate the very thing that he's doing as bad. Any effective conservative. It isn't just because of Trump. It's because Trump is an effective conservative. He's effective in voicing it in a way that resonates with large amounts of people. That's why he won in 2020. That's why Kentucky saw flips uh, to the Republican Party, because he 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 brought out a belief in a standpoint that people could resonate to. But yet that same belief and standpoint, Mac Brown says, oh, that's just chaotic. Doing actual conservative things and standing up for conservatism, standing up for the Republicans, saying that. I will, I will fight back. I won't just give lip service to how bad all the liberals are. I actually want to stand up and fight back against it. Well, to Mac Brown, that creates chaos because if he wasn't effective, this is how you know he's effective, that Trump is somewhat effective in destroying this liberal standpoint, they wouldn't be attacking him. He wouldn't be a threat to them. They wouldn't have spent four years trying to impeach him and investigate him. And it is because he is a threat to them and effective. The last thing you want is a quote unquote perceived as, especially by the liberal media, non-chaotic conservative candidate. Because that means that they're not worried about him being effective or her. They're not worried about them being effective. They're not worried about them accomplishing anything. There's nothing to care about. Then Mac Brown goes on to blame Trump for violence, even though Trump has never said to beat or attack anybody ever once. Um, but for some reason, he, he he says that, well, Trump's creating that chaos and, and that rhetoric. Then people think, well, I can go beat him up. So that's OK, because Trump said so. Well, Trump has never once said it. But of course, that doesn't stop Mac Brown from saying those kinds of things casually, too. I mean, that's a big charge to claim Trump is leading to violence. That's a big charge to make. And Mac Brown just makes it without any evidence, any proof, you know, a good interviewer, but of course this is a liberal interviewer. So he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. But a good interviewer would have said, uh, Matt, can you back that up with anything? When has Trump ever uh, said, I want violence? 
And of course, Mac Brown, he would stammer about it because there isn't an example. But it's just this assumption that people like him have made and pushed forward. And then he goes on to say the party will continue to lose. The party lost in 2022 and Trump wasn't on the ballot. I get it. Trump gets blamed by all these neocon, moderate, quote unquote, moderate, liberal Republicans that have infected this party over the years. And they love to blame Trump for that loss in 2022 because it fits their agenda. It can never be the fact that they are weak. It can never be the fact that they are uninspiring. It can never be the fact that they are horrible conservatives. And so therefore, it's not a surprise that conservatives don't vote for them and don't bother to turn out for them because they're uninspiring. There's no reason to, because in a lot of voters' minds are no different than the Democrat. They don't understand what the difference in their life would be, because if these so-called conservatives do get into office, they don't do anything different. And so the Republican voter says, eh, why does it matter? So they feel uninspired to turn out. Because we want more than just some words. We want some actions and words. And we're paying attention. Large amounts of us actually do pay attention to how you say things to indicate to us whether or not you're meaningful and whether or not you're the real deal. And when we know you're not, there's no use in us bothering to turn out. That's the thought process. I'm not saying I have that thought process. I'm just telling you that's what it is. It isn't Trump's fault. It's your fault. But they can't say that because if they take the blame for why they suck so much, well, then that would require them to change. And that is something they are not willing to do. So it's just easier. Hey, let's just go ahead and let's blame Trump. Uh, we got this out of Lexington City Council. Dan Wu, vice mayor of Lexington, dressed in drag to perform poker face for a fundraiser. Um, you know, and, and remember priorly too as well, we had a drag show just randomly break out in the middle of a city council meeting, actually violating the rules. So you got Dan Wu dressing in drag now. You know, cosplaying, uh, uh, role-playing here as a sex performer for quote-unquote charity. You have drag shows in city council chambers. I mean, sure, Lexington just recently here saw a weekend where four people were murdered in just a few days, the most violent weekend of the year, and shootings have become a real issue. Sure, we have people attempting to run over firefighters and police officers and trying to stab a man and then leading police on hour and a half police chases and then only getting probation and being allowed to roam the streets free as a bird. Sure, you can not use most of downtown Lexington now past dark because of the homeless everywhere and the massive amounts of needles that can be found all over the place littering, creating a real danger. I mean, sure, you have to watch out for actual human feces when taking your trash out at a business because homeless people like to go ahead and take dumps behind the dumpster and it becomes a really big problem. I'm sure you have to, you know, worry about if you're a business owner, criminals harassing your customers, making it almost impossible for you to do business, making it unsafe and scaring away individuals from ever frequenting your business again. And, and sure, yes, roads in Lexington are tore apart, potholed everywhere, heavy traffic, horrible flows. And, and, and yeah, 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 we do have a massive shortage of police officers by the hundreds. However, while taking time away from not addressing those issues, because of course the schedule is very busy with not dealing with that, 
I'm glad that Lexington City Council members have somehow found the time to dress in drag and perform. I'm glad we elect people. Ooh, ooh, I, I just love it. I love the fact that the people of Lexington love electing sexual performers, uh, people who like to role play sexual performers in public. I mean, that tells us, you know, what kind of really level-headed mind these people have. They're clearly not mentally ill at all because, of course, you know, in the past, you know, before yesterday, like within the past 10 years, these same people in Lexington who voted for Dan Wu would have thought that somebody who, in, who, who gets their kicks from cross-dressing is mentally ill and probably not very deservant of holding elected office. You know, remember George Santos just got kicked out of Congress. One of his charges was he was dressing in drag, supposedly at some point in Brazil. But these same people that just 10 years ago would have said, yeah, that is the sign of mental illness, have been so brainwashed that Dan Wu views it as a positive, as something that helps him in his re-election efforts that he would engage in cross-dressing behavior like this. And this thought process bleeds into other issues in Lexington. Things like, you know, the fact that at the director and deputy director levels, you do see a pay disparity, and it's not a pay disparity between, well, uh, 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 women getting paid less than men. No, instead it is diverse people versus non-diverse people at high levels of management within Lexington are getting paid significantly more. If you're white and straight and male, well, you can expect to get paid less doing the same job at high levels, the political appointee positions, than you can for being a diverse individual in Lexington. That is how they're using your tax dollars. But, you know, at least we have a vice mayor dressing in drag. We'll see you all here in just a few, few short minutes. Got to take a break. As always, if you want to reach out to the show, feel free to email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. We'll see you here in just a few, few short minutes. In 1969, Norma McCorvey was pregnant with her third child. Having already had one at 16, which he gave up for adoption to her mother. And then her second in 1967, she gave up for adoption as well. When she became pregnant with her third child, she came into contact with a Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington, who had been just dying to run a lawsuit in Texas in order to challenge Texas's abortion law, which stated women could only have an abortion in case of life of a mother. Now, Norma was not raped. Norma uh, had already given childbirth twice before and had adopted those children away, so clearly was used to that process. But regardless, Norma was available to be taken advantage of. So lawyers Linda and Sarah convinced Norma to file a lawsuit in order to try and get an abortion. Now, Norma's case, of course, did not make it through the courts before she ended up giving birth and she adopted that child out, as she had always planned to. But, of course, they didn't actually expect the case to make it through the courts. So, you see, Norma already knew what the outcome would be. And so when these lawyers had the opportunity 
to come across a down-on-their-luck woman, well, they decided they could take advantage of it. These activist lawyers took advantage of Norma and her soon-to-be child. A child that has grown up in this modern age knowing that her mother sued to kill her in the womb. Now, you may not know who Norma is, but you may know her by her assumed name that she took for this lawsuit, which is Jane Roe, the Roe in Roe v. Wade. You know, later in life, Norma would actually become a very outspoken pro-life advocate and an anti-abortion activist. After her death, the far-left liberals, of course, took that as an opportunity to say Norma only switched sides because she was, quote-unquote, paid to do so. Now, how much do they claim she was paid? Well, they say that Norma only switched sides because she was paid $500,000 over the 23 years between her coming out publicly, saying she was against abortion and it was wrong, and her death at the age of 69. It was only 20 three years. And $500,000 over those 23 years, well, that's only about $20,000 a year. Now, people who work in activism in this field would understand that somebody like Norma, who is the Jane Roe and Roe v. Wade coming out against abortion would be a powerful tool, a powerful voice in order to advocate for the life of children all over the country. And so obviously somebody like Norma, Norma in this case, would be asked to speak at many places and to travel around the country. When you look at what she was quote-unquote paid, it works out to $20,000 a year. $20,000 a year is basically a reimbursement, not even a payoff. That's just simply paying for time, the time it would take her to do all these things, her travel, and hotel stays, so on and so forth. It's not that much money. It's not really enough to cause somebody who who literally made her name known as being this this uh, pioneer for women's rights. She she could have just as equally been paid to talk about women's rights by the liberals in this country, but instead she felt a conviction and a calling. But the liberals don't want you to believe that. So if you Google Norma abortion. If you Google Jane Roe, Roe v. Wade abortion, or Norma McCorvey abortion, what you'll find is articles after articles saying she only became an activist because she's paid $500,000. Absolute changing of the truth. Well, at the same time, if you Google Jane Roe abortion or Jane Roe from Roe v. Wade, you'll actually see more about the lawyers. Because... The women, a woman in this case, regretting the fact that she was a part of it, regretting uh, uh, ever trying to push for an abortion. Well, that doesn't play into their narrative. A woman saying, I regret allowing them to take advantage of my pregnancy in this way. That doesn't work for them. And so instead, you'll read about those lawyers. But why do I bring this up? Well, Kentucky has our own Jane Roe that just filed lawsuit, though uh, she filed under Jane Doe, this just happened recently, in order to challenge Kentucky's 
abortion laws. And once again, she's being taken advantage of. This individual is being taken advantage of by activist lawyers, this time paid by Planned Parenthood. You know, Planned Parenthood who receives millions of our tax dollars. How nice that our tax dollars can fund these types of lawsuits. How nice that your dollars are taken from you by force and then used to fund and forward a group that will actively fight in your state against your values. Now, there's nothing about this case initially that points to like a harrowing story. You know, normally, if they're going to try to challenge these cases, they would just go ahead and find a rape victim or a, a person who has some sort of fetal issue that is being denied an abortion in order to get a good story, in order to make a good argument to, to build from. But we don't know anything about that. We, we don't see that anywhere in the lawsuit. As far as we know in this lawsuit, all we have are these words here from Jane Doe. I'm a proud Kentuckian and I love the life my family and I have here, but I'm angry that now I'm pregnant and do not want to be. The plaintiff said in a statement released by the American Civil Liberties Union, one of the groups backing her challenge. The government is interfering in my private matters and blocking me from having an abortion. This is my decision, not the government's or any other person's. So that was her public statement from the ACLU distributed out there. So nothing about uh, anything to do with medical complications or anything else. But um, it goes on to say, this is, this is from the lawsuit. It says that Kentucky women are suffering medical, constitutional, and irreparable harm by being denied the right to obtain an abortion. Abortion is a critical component of reproductive health care and crucial to the ability of Kentuckians to control their lives. So first off, <laughs> reproductive health care, that is the opposite of reproductive health care. If, if reproductive if abortion is reproductive health care, um, then suicide is health care. Which, of course, if you're in Canada, where they have made laws that allow medical-assisted suicide, uh, well, then, yeah. Um, I guess in, in these left liberal ways that murdering you is, is also uh, health care, right? If it would not only reproduce, it's, it's almost like calling chemotherapy cancer prevention, right? Reproductive health. No, you've already reproduced, okay? It's not reproductive health care. And that's part of it too, is that, that this mindset of abortion as some sort of, of uh, you know, anti, uh, it, it's, it's on the same line with, with condoms and, and birth control. It's just reproductive health care. It's part of the reason why there's been so much murder of babies anyways, because it was viewed as just, hey, it's just something you do. Oh, I got a little pregnant. I just get a little abortion. It's the same as condoms. No big deal. No big deal at all. And then it goes on to say uh, healthcare and the crucial to the ability of Kentuckians to control their lives. Unless, of course, those Kentuckians are, um, you know, babies. In which case, it's not up to them to control their lives. And, and, and think about this too, right? And this is the interesting thing about this argument. They're saying that uh, abortion is critical to the ability of Kentuckians to control their lives. At no point in the lawsuit does it say, you know, it's critical for Kentuckians to maybe not have sex if they don't want to be pregnant. That, that idea of self-determination completely removed from them. They say, look, they should have self-determination to decide whether or not they want to have the baby, but self-determination to actually, you know, 
not have sex. Well, that has been void of them. We'll go over what the rest of this lawsuit has to say uh, after this short break. It only gets worse. Um, but you're listening to the Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics. If you want to reach out to the show, just email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. And you are back with the Andrew Kubrider Show. Before the break, we were talking about this lawsuit filed in Kentucky in order to fight against our quote-unquote abortion laws that are robbing women of reproductive health care, as we talked about before the break, that's like calling chemotherapy cancer prevention. Um, it's not, not quite the same thing. But anyways, anyways, um, going back through this, whether to take on the health risks and responsibilities of pregnancy and parenting is a personal and consequential decision that must be left to the individual to determine for herself without government interference. I grade the lawsuit on that. That is absolutely up to the woman. And that's why she shouldn't be engaging in sexual relations, especially unprotected, unless she is prepared to deal with the consequences of that. It says the, the, whether to take on health risks and responsibilities of pregnancy and parenting is a personal and consequential decision. You know what? If the lawsuit was smart, it would have left off the responsibilities of pregnancy and just said parenting. Because whether or not you got pregnant, at least in this situation, because they're not claiming that there's a rape involved currently in the lawsuit, we'll see what they cook up. And I'll, and I'll go into evidence why I don't think they will claim that. But take on the health risk and responsibilities of pregnancy – you're you're already pregnant when you get on when you get an abortion. You already took on that responsibility when you when you had sex and got pregnant. That was already a decision you made. And then to say in parenting is a personal and consequential decision that must be left to the individual to determine for herself without government interference. Well, I mean, government's not forcing her to have sex, are they? No, they are not. So she could have made that decision then. Which, anyways. Why do these case now? Now I'm going to tell you. So I told you that I don't believe they had, they don't allege any kind of rape or fetal issues in this. And, and I don't believe that will be alleged in this because why will these cases take a long time to work through the courts? Remember the original Roe, Jane Roe, Norma, Jane Roe, she had the kid in that case, the, the subject of that case, the kid that was in her stomach that they were trying to murder or saying they were pretending to try to murder was born and adopted out because the case takes so long to work through the courts. So they're not going to actually find somebody that actually has, was a victim of rape or incest or, or somebody with fetal issues that's being denied an abortion because those people, if they actually don't want to have the kid, just drive an hour or two to a different state. See, that's the other part nobody wants to talk about. The reason why they can't find a plaintiff to say that they were raped and now forced to give birth to a child is because they can drive to another state, even at the national level. Take, for an example, we heard about this made-up case out of Ohio. This young girl was forced to drive several hours to get an abortion. That was the, the claim made. There were some holes in the story, obviously, but even there, the thing, she wasn't this nine year old girl, 10 year old girl, 12 year old girl wasn't forced to give birth. She was just forced to drive a few hours. And so because of that, they can't actually find somebody 
that makes for a really good sob story. So instead, they need a woman who is so demented. And this is why this Jane Doe in this case, this is why she hides her name. Because she's truly an awful and evil person. Because she's not just driving to another state. She's decided already, basically. Because, of course, if she does go to another state, gets an abortion, the court, the case would be taken away. They have the opportunity. So, so, so this case will take a while to go through. We know that. And so she's decided. She's so demented, the Jane Doe in this case. And she's so willing to sacrifice her child's life to the idea of abortion, not just in the womb, but literally have the child born and then sacrifice the child's meaning of that life to abortion. And what do I mean by that? Because she knows this kid most likely will be born. And now you have a child growing up knowing that their mother went to court under oath, saying she didn't want to have them, saying she didn't want them to exist. Imagine what kind of havoc that would wreck on somebody's life to go through life knowing that their own parent didn't want them to exist. Of course, this is something lefties want to ignore. They don't want to talk about that because, of course, if they talked about that, then they would be going down an awkward path of saying abortion is murder. But that's how you know the pro-life side is truly the moral side. Because when you think about those implications of telling a child, hey, I never wanted to have you. Hey, by the way, I went to court trying to get a court order to allow me to murder you. And at the same time, I'm, I'm, I, knew, I knew I probably wouldn't be successful in getting it done before you're born, but I was willing to use your pregnancy and I was willing to at least claim I wanted to murder you in order to give the opportunity to other women to murder their unborn children. What does that say to this child? Just think about, think about that in your life. If your woman swore an oath, if, if, if your mother swore an oath of absolute honesty and then just said, you know what? I don't want you. Under oath says, I don't want you. I never wanted to have you. I want to murder you because of the effect you may have on my life. And I get it. You know, this is uncomfortable conversation. People love to dress up this conversation how they want to. They get squeamish about using the word murder. They don't want to point this out. But these are the conversations we need to have. We need to be looking at people like this Jane Doe and publicly saying, are you a psychopath? Who wants a child to live their life with that hanging over their head? A psychopath does. Only an absolute evil woman could do this to her own children. But of course, what can we expect from somebody willing to let herself be used to advocate for the murder of unborn children right here in Kentucky. What 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 can we expect? I mean, and it's it's we're such a fallen society at this point. This has become such an issue that we need to really, and this is where this engaging in the culture, this is where when people like Mac Brown are out there, as I said at the beginning, at I think this was covered yesterday. Saying that, yeah, we need to add exemptions in for abortion. We can't give an inch because we know they want to take a mile. We don't want to tell every single born child from rape or incest that their life is worth less than some other child. 
who would want to tell that to another human being? But when you say, okay, well, maybe in this circumstance, they can be murdered in the womb, then it's okay. Now, for those of you that wonder, and I've covered this agnosium in the show, what, well, Andrew, what do you want to do with these rape or incest situations? Let's, let's help those mothers out. I said priorly, what's, let's give them the free housing, college, mental health care, everything that we need to help them because they have been the victim of a horrible crime, but we shouldn't make another victim in the process out of the child. And in order to fund this massive amount of help that we should be giving to those women, horrible victims of the crime, well, we should be charging a fine to every single perpetrator of rape or incest and putting that into the fund to pay the way. Massive fines for those people on top of their jail time. So that way, the victims of their crimes can be taken care of. That's a straightforward way to deal with this, with the caring and compassion that's needed while not at the same time murdering children or sending a message to people that their life is somehow worth less than another. But of course, that's not something that works for the liberals, because in their entire hierarchy of things, they believe certain lives are worth more for what kind of political expedience they give them. Trans lives are worth more than standard gay lives. Gay lives are worth more than your standard straight life. And men's life is worth less than a woman's life and so on and so forth. Why? Because that victim hierarchy is helpful to them in order to have control because that's what it's all about. It's about control. And so it's worth it to them to turn to this child that Jane Doe, who filed this case in Kentucky, to turn to that child and say, your life is worth less than other people's. Your mother wants to murder you. And here is under oath proof that she wished you never even existed. And sure, that may mess you up for the rest of your life, but your life is worth less than everyone else's. And that makes it okay for us to do. That's the real evil here. That's why no ties to the moral greater good is what will destroy this country, this nation, is what will destroy our modern society because we can no longer tell the difference between good and evil. And we can't look at something in the face and say the means never justify the ends, but for liberals, that's all it is. And for some conservatives, so-called conservatives, that's the same case. Well, you're listening to The Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Thank you all so, so much for joining us. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 9 a.m. on WZXI, 1 o'clock everywhere else. Thank you all so, so much for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday.